Thank you, Toyin. So during lockdown, um, we became sort of amateur foragers. I particularly took to picking blackberries. We'd go out on our daily walks and 2020 and 2021 were really good years for blackberries. We made, I made crumbles and then I started filling the freezer full of containers of blackberries. And then I even got really enthusiastic and I bought a jelly bag and I actually made blackberry jelly. And so this year I was all planning to do that again. And beginning of the year, the blackberry bushes looked great. Lots of blackberries forming. And then we had our summer, our lovely sunny summer, but with no rain. And those lovely blackberries remained very little blackberries, and they weren't even very black. So by the time we came to actually be able to try and gather some blackberries, they were far less than in the previous years. Now, I know we can live without blackberries, but I know that for a lot of our farmers, our gardeners, Jane and Brian on the allotment, this summer was a tough one. And there wasn't a lot of produce. The, a lot of the, the produce they were expecting was not of the same quality, wasn't of the same quantity. Now, in this country, September has brought, um, and September and October, things have improved. And Jane was showing me all the wonderful green beans that she's been able to grow in the allotment since then. So we, we have got some harvest here. But I know as well as the, the poor harvest, for many people, even if you're not gardeners or have an allotment, due to factors like the war in Ukraine and the economic crisis, the costs that we've had to pay for produce to, to feed ourselves have gone up and up. So, so we celebrating harvest, it feels like we're talking um, about a celebration when it, when not everyone is feeling that things are very abundant. Some people are really struggling. And while in this country we do have some provisions, other countries like Africa, like David's just prayed for, and Pakistan, they've either had no rain and so their crops are just in the ground withering, or they've had too much rain and there are floods everywhere. And their crops are destroyed, livelihoods are destroyed, and if your crops are destroyed for one year, then you've no seed to sow for the next year. So I just want to acknowledge that we're, we're celebrating harvest, but in a time when not everyone's life feels very abundant. And it's great we've got all this produce here, but we've got great numbers of people who are having to use the food banks or the soup kitchens that have never needed to before. So, again, not a great sign of abundance, but it's our Harvest Festival, and we want to be thankful. So I had a look at what the Bible actually said about harvest. And in particular, I started looking at what Jesus said about harvest. And in fact, he says very little about the kind of harvest and harvest festivals that we're, we're having today. When Jesus talks about um, harvest... He says things like, we read in the Gospels, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Or I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields, they're ripe for harvest. But he's not talking about wheat and corn or blackberries. He's talking about people. 
His concern is for the harvest of people, of people coming back to God. And in other instances where he mentions harvest, he's using it in the parables to tell a story with another point. So the parable, for instance, of the rich fool, the farmer who had a really good harvest one year. So he thought, gosh, I've got so much stuff, I'm going to have to build a bigger barn. And great, I'm quids in, I'm going to retire now, put my feet up and just have a good life. And Jesus says, be on your guard against all kinds of grief. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So in one sense he's saying, don't concern yourselves with big harvests. So why doesn't Jesus talk more about harvest festivals and the harvest of food? When I thought about this, I thought of two particular reasons. I was thinking, as a good Anglican, I probably should have come up with three, but I've only got two for you this morning. And the first one I was thinking that Jesus was talking to people who should have known their Old Testament and would have been used to going and celebrating the first fruits or taking their their, their first 10% of what they produced and taking it to the temple. They would have their festivals, their festival of harvest, their festival of ingathering, but it wasn't, it's not, not talking about Reading and Glastonbury here. This was a religious festival. This was going up to the temple, taking that, that first portion of the produce that they produced, taking it to the temple. But this was about thanksgiving. This was about saying to God, look what you've, I'm thankful for what you've given me. I'm bringing it to you. But there was a real, um, I think, a generosity in the way God expected them to, to come to him in that they weren't meant to sell themselves short. If they had a large crop, they would take a large percentage. But if they only had a small crop, they'd just bring a small amount. They were only expected to bring what they could afford. And there was also a fairness and a generosity in the way land was used. They weren't meant to get every last little bit of grain out of that land. They were meant to give the land a year's rest. In the books of the laws in Leviticus and Exodus, it talks about giving your land a rest. Don't, don't keep plowing it every, every single year. Let it have a year when it just rests and recovers. And when it comes to harvest, we read, when you reap the harvest of your land... Do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings, the very last little bit of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. So again, there was um, a generosity there. It wasn't about grabbing every little last bit. And then maybe Jesus was thinking of this when he criticized this rich farmer because there's no mention of thanksgiving and giving any harvest back to God and there's no mention of any gleanings and leaving anything for the poor and Jesus was maybe referring to that or thinking of that but there's a generosity here that God expects people to allow others to feed off that when Ruth and Naomi returned from a foreign land they didn't have they hadn't had any time to plant or um, produce any produce for themselves and Ruth took advantage of those gleanings, of the, the borders of the fields that were left so the poor could help themselves. 
So God expects, and Jesus would expect, that his listeners would know, or they should know, that Jesus expected generosity and thankfulness. And then secondly, I think that when Jesus was focusing on people, he knew that if if he could call people back to God, then they would again return to what God had wanted from them, that thankfulness and that generosity, and they would start leading, leading their lives in a more generous way, which would encompass everybody. And if you're thinking, well, there's not much point in, in becoming a Christian if I haven't got anything to give anybody, look at the reading that we had today and what actually happened to those early Christians. Jesus left them and he said, my father's going to send the Holy Spirit in my name and the Holy Spirit will show you how you should live. He will give you wisdom. And what happened? At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came, people were filled with the Spirit, and they started living out their lives as Christians. And then we get to the passage that we read today. And it says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So they were living out generosity. There were some who could give, like we've got plenty of people giving today, but there were some who were in need. And they, they just looked at what the need was and tried to meet it. And it also said, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. There was a thankfulness there. They'd come back to what God had intended, a thankfulness and a generosity amongst his people. And they enjoyed the favor of all the people, and people came to them. God added to their numbers, and that congregation grew and grew. And that's why in the second part of the reading, we read from um, Acts chapter 11, the gospel has spread. So this passage, the people have gone out from Judea, they've started spreading the word about the good news, about Jesus, about coming back to God, and they've got as far as Antioch, which is part of Turkey, and they're meeting together, and one of the, their, and they're, they're meeting there, someone called Agapus stands up and says, I've had a word from, from God, I think there's going to be a famine in Judea, and these people are going to be lacking food. So again, in this spirit of generosity, the people gathered say, we're going to have to help them. We're going to help these people. We're going to send them help and aid so they can get by. Later on, when we get to the letter of Romans, Paul talks about the Macedonian Christians and those in Achaia. Um, and they are further around. So the, the gospel message has spread around the Mediterranean. It's now got up to Greece. And Paul, Paul, in a sense, these people are his spiritual harvest. He's spread the good news to these people. But they are, again, are responding to when they hear about this need in, in Jerusalem and Judea. Now, they won't have met, probably, they won't have met Jesus uh, in, in person, and they won't, they'll know very few of the early Christians from Jerusalem. But out of generosity, they want to give aid and support these Christians. And so Paul takes money from them back to Jerusalem to help out. Martin Luther apparently said that the three conversions are needed for the Christian life, the conversion of the heart, the mind, and the purse. 
But I would like to suggest, if people really enter into that spirit, come back to God, it all becomes one. You're thankful for what God's given you, and you want to share that with other people. So what does that mean for us today? We are in this time of, um, in some ways, there's a lot of people who are not feeling very abundant. But at the other end of it, we have got a lot to be thankful for. So what does it mean for you? Well, maybe some of you are that first kind of harvest that Jesus talks about. Maybe you're not actually a Christian yet. Maybe you are wondering what this is all about. And I'd have to just give a little plug that on Wednesday, in our Wednesday community, we are having an alpha lunch, which is, we're going to look at a, a video which says, how can I have faith? And you'll be very welcome to join us for that and have lunch with us. So, yeah, if you're in that category, do come along. Or maybe we can be harvesters. Maybe you could reach out to your neighbours just showing the love and generosity of God. I was really struck last week when um, Paula, um, our new soup kitchen lead, said that her and her husband Adrian were here because of the Sanyas, because they had just lived next door to them and just seen the love and generosity of being alongside these Christian people and wanted to come here. It really challenged me to think, how, how much do I show that love and generosity to my neighbours? And the other thing that struck me, though, is that Jesus was someone who could take very little and create a great deal out of it. So when he said to his disciples at one point, when there was a huge crowd gathered, could you find some food for these people? All they could find was a few loaves of bread and a few fish. And Jesus didn't say, that's not good enough. Go out and look for some more. He just said, thank you, and prayed. And he created a great deal more. So I think if we are sitting here thinking we don't have resources, or we don't have money, we don't have time, whatever little we have, I know God can create a lot more out of it. So what can we do as a church? Well, We've done something today. We can support our food banks. We can, if we've got the time, we can give our time to um, places like the soup kitchen. Or we can donate further afield. We can be like those Christians in Macedonia and Achaia or Antioch and support those Christians and others further afield and um, give to our harvest appeal to those in Pakistan. And of course, there are other causes as well. There are other things that God will lay on your heart that you will want to support. But we can also be thankful. We can be thankful for what we have. Whether we feel it's a little or a lot, we can be thankful. Because thankful hearts then become generous hearts. And it just, it does us good just to look around and see what we can be grateful for. God so loved us that he sent us his son and his so, son so loved us that he gave us his life how can we then respond with thankfulness and generosity and for each one it will be different but let's just spend a few minutes just thinking about what God might be saying to us today how we in this time of um, 
of, certain, of hardship for so many, how can we be thankful and generous? So let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you that you do give us so much in so many ways. I thank you that you do place among us those who are able to give a lot. And we thank you that we have others who we can support and give to. And Lord God, we acknowledge that there's many around us that, for, that life is just not easy at the moment. And we pray that you will direct us so that we can help them. Lord, we just pray that you will help us to be generous in how we live our lives so that we draw others to you and we live out your gospel, showing abundant life to others. And we just pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. And now I'm going to hand over to Sam to lead us in a worship response.